project was our last best hope for news. A self-contained podcast two hours long, located in neutral territory. A place of nonsense and innuendo for forum dads, community members, and developers. A shining beacon in space. All alone on a Tuesday night. It was the dawn of the third chapter of Elite. The year Space Lakes came upon us all. This is the story of the last of the Ladian stations. The year is 3307. The name of the place? Leave Radio. Commanders, and welcome to episode 327 of Live Radio, the show that likes to talk about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Commander Phoenix Defire, Chief Archivist of Live Station, and joining me in the Orange Sign Bar for this episode, we have our Head of Health and Safety, the Edelweiss, Ben Moss Woodward. So yeah, we've actually just been witnessing how not to land on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah, a slight delay this week because we were all, all watching um, Elon fire his latest rocket. Oh well, <laughs> better luck next time. Um, we also have our head of Inhuman Resources, Commander Shan. I'm a head now, am I? Rather than director, have I been demoted or? Uh... Yes, it was been. It was quite fun watching Elon shoot his load. Oh my god, you've been infected by Ben. I had to get in before Ben did. And that's what she said. No, 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 we're not going to go down to that level. Commander Souverine is also with us. Hello. Our, hello. Um, at least you can always rely on Souverine for being civil, pleasant, but to uh, talk to. But um, if you wish, you can join us live. We're hanging out in-game, I guess, round Lave Station. Uh... But if you can't get to us in-game, you can join us in the Twitch chat channel, which you can access through laveradio.com slash live and click on live chat, or go straight to twitch.tv slash laveradio, or onto YouTube under laveradio, or Facebook under radio. So, uh, we will go around the team and uh, see what everybody's been involved with this week. And uh, we'll start this week with uh, our missing commander, Commander Souverine. How have you been? Uh, fine. Have I been missing? Or oh, I wasn't here last week, was I? You're washing your hair. <laughs> Got so much of it, apparently. <laughs> What's this hair thing? I don't understand. <laughs> and hair. I, uh, what have I been doing? Oh, I've been spinning the brick. I've been flying my Type 9, uh, doing some trading and, um, docking and undocking flight assist off, which is great fun and, uh, slightly hair raising. 
And I've never um, heard it called spinning the brick before, but yeah, I, could, <laughs> I thought it was euphemism for something that Ben thought up. No, it's a euphemism for flying your Type Nine <laughs> with flight assist off. Um, the um, I found a trade route near Malaysia, which is very profitable um, and that makes about thirteen million per round trip, uh, which is great. And um, now everyone will go there, so it'll make one hundred credits per trip. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I gather it's a bit of a movable feast. Um, some somebody else popped into the the channel that I was in uh, a day later, saying they'd found one that was like nineteen million. So um, I gather it changes all the time. Oh, so where was that then? Uh, I can't remember the the system. I mean, it, it it changes literally all like every day, every tick. Yeah, so if you have to rely on EDDB and things you're not playing the game right, you have to use the in-game trading tools. Yeah, we do. That's uh, <laughs> that's one way of uh, money, I suppose. Um, Right, Commander Shan, what have you been up to this week? Oh, not much, really. Work has just been busy, really, as usual. Sorted out the design of the solar panel and battery systems. That's going to be fitted in the next couple of weeks. So looking forward to that. I'm now obsessing over what devices use how much power when in the day. So it's been a bit geeky, really, of turning things off and on, noting how much the power changes in that. And uh, I just want to say a uh, poignant thank you to Captain Tom. Uh, he, he was an amazing guy, and uh, he did wonders for the NHS and stuff. So, yeah. Yes, uh, that is such a shame. We only I heard mean, about the last couple of weeks, uh, last hours, really. So, I mean, he, he can't say you know he, he didn't get didn't didn't have an eventful long life. You know, so I guess that's all we can wish for, really, is to make a difference and live a long time. Well, he certainly made a difference last year, that's for sure. So, um, Ben, um, what have you been up to for our, this last seven days? Oh, I've been up. I've been up to a fair few things. Sort of not not game playing stuff directly, but I've been helping a Mister Wotherspoon and Ms. Beetlejude with their semi-secret, but not quite secret. But I'm not going to. I'm not going to steal anyone's Thunder Secret project, so I've been helping them with that. And fingers crossed, it might be working, and it might be coming. You know, Pete might be coming out soon. We're not quite sure. So, it, will we hear about it at the end of this end of this I have, episode? I honestly have no idea when Pete will make things official. Oh, okay. Um, on Friday, I was on Elite. Well, technically Saturday, I was on Elite Week and had loads of fun with the our American brethren. And then later on Saturday, I was on Pages Through Our Eyes stream, which had loads of marginalized streamers uh, from people in the LGBTQIA plus community uh, to folks with mental health and physical issues uh, to BIPOC streamers. Uh, there's a whole load of the stories really heartbreaking. Loads of them were inspirational. Uh, but the feeling in the stream was just so great. There's so much love. Um, I do want to give a special shout out, I guess, to one of the streamers who had disassociation with parts. Um, and they're called Hobo House. Uh, they're on, and they're a streamer on Twitch. And it's just really interesting watching this person talking about their system and learning how to live with the multiple versions of themselves. Um, all of pay, all of those VODs from Saturday are on Artemis's uh, YouTube stream, and it's well worth a watch if you want to just learn stuff about 
people who you wanted to ask questions of but felt, I can't ask that. Yes, it was lovely. Uh, Game-wise, I've been playing some Elite Dangerous, playing some Minecraft, playing some RimWorld, and I've been playing some Star Citizen um, with Kai again and with some new friends who have been who who lured me into being a pirate yesterday. Uh, we had, we had lots of fun with a bunch of us basically on somebody's pirate on somebody's ship, and we were running around pirating people. Um, Lovely. And it, you know, all all role play. We didn't actually kill anybody. It was like you know, sort of a case of give us have you know, give us a portion of your stuff, and we'll let you live. And that meant we didn't get in any crime stats. They didn't get to know most of our names because we were just holding guns to them, their faces. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was quite fun, and hopefully wasn't too negative for all concerned. Was this in Star Citizen or in... Uh, this was in Star uh, Citizen. Ah, oh, right. Uh, sure. So, you know, we were basically sort of flying around, finding people, mm. and like, yeah, there's, we're in a much bigger ship than you. <laughs> you're in like this. You're effectively in your little SRV. Mm. Thank you, or you die. <laughs> um, you know, just but it was, but it was all done with good fun and things like that. I don't think anyone had too much of a negative experience. Hopefully, we didn't. We found it fun anyway. I should say. Um, I do have one question though. Um, yeah. BIPOC. What does that stand for? I'm. I'm. So, aware of the LBGTQIA plus. So I don't know the full acronym, but it's basically. Uh, well, I mean, the, the, so the example of the BIPOC streamers who were on Paige's thing were you had some uh, black and Asian streamers. Mm. Um, but there was some other, just a whole load of people who, you know, basically weren't straight white guys. Gotcha. Yes. <sighs> um, an SN9 update. All right. Uh, apparently, um, it had a rapid, unscheduled disassembly. <laughs> oh, and a quick Google, rocket Google, went boom. Yeah, a quick Google says that BIPOC stands for Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. I mean, to tell you the truth, that sounds better than blame or whatever they, or blam or whatever they use. Fame, not the, blame. blame. <laughs> exactly. It's being frowned upon now, the use of blame in the government. They're not using it as much. Yeah. yeah so, well, so that was this week's term. What will it be next week's term? Well, <laughs> we will find out. But uh, I must admit, I think that one seems better than the, than the previous acronym or whatever they're going to use. One of the anyway, calling people. That is also a very good idea. People is people, is people yeah. Um, but, I mean, uh, just some of the stories, you know, had me in tears, which doesn't take much these days, but, you know, it was, it was absolutely beautiful stories coming from these folks. Um, and people we know who are on there. You, we, so we know, you know, we all know Commander Plater. Uh, we yes. all know uh, Dr. K. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we know Paige, who's Arthurmus. Um, but also, there's a good opportunity to meet a whole load of other new new people as well. So it's all good. Well, um, how do I follow that? Um, 
Well, not much has been happening in the Ford household this week. Um, let's. Um, I have been doing uh, quite a lot of deleting or mostly following the activity, which we'll probably be discussing later on in the show. Um, apart from that, um, I've, I've scaled back on the power play because basically I'm running out of time. Uh, and, and that's been about it, apart from apart from finishing off Final Fantasy XV properly. And I must admit, that game broke me, which I was not expected to do. It's, it's, it's unbelievable that one of the, that these games... I had the same problem with Mass Effect. What's why it broke you? The, it, well, basically, I was in absolute bits at the end of it. Okay. Was it yeah. worse than the prologue of The Last of Us? Because that's about as far as I got in Last of Us, actually. Uh, which one? One or two? One. Uh, I I would reckon worse, actually, because um, I just I I looked at the counter. I'd spent sort of like sixty hours getting to the end of the the game. You're not supposed to do it that way. You're supposed to finish off the game first and then go back to the open world bit. But I'd spent sixty hours with all these characters, and you got very attached to them. And what happened in the end? Like I said, broke me. So that that was a shock. It's it's like um, when you realise Mass Effect is over, you sort of think you're never going to be able to go back and experience that for the first time again. I've yeah. never actually played either the Dragon Age or the Mass Effect game, so I have all of that ahead of me. Yeah, well, yeah, I will. I will say I thoroughly recommend Final Fantasy 15, even if it if it does break your heart at the end. So. Did you show? Um, was it? Was it like that moment in um, Sleepless in Seattle with the guys or walk weeping over the end of the Dirty Dozen, like that sort of thing? Mock weeping, weeping, weeping. No, then you remember that no when they're, 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 they're all weeping over the Dirty Dozen, weren't they? And uh, taking the mick out of the women's films. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> I must admit I haven't I haven't been in that kind of state over over a film before, but I've certainly been in a state over a game, which it came out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting that to happen. That's fascinating. I've I've never had that kind of emotional reaction to a video game. That's really interesting. No, I mean I mean, it, I mean the movies can be really emotional. I mean that bit in Stars where Porkins gets shot down. I mean, how do you stay? Dry eyes and pork and 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 when Luke's Somehow, best friend, I'm, I'm getting the feeling that someone's being very insincere here. Me, yeah, and people come on, wonder Biggs. about. Come on, Biggs in Star Wars, Luke's best friend, who who's advice, who's um, you, part you only, he wanted to follow. Got you up. only know you only know he was your best friends if you'd actually read the novel at the time. Because no, original, no, he was no, no, it's in. No, no. In the films, he makes reference to Biggs, and then I watched. I watched all the films fairly recently, and have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. There's my point. None. Right. Anyway. Anyway. Dead to you two, honestly. We shall move on from. And uh, Wedge became the new Biggs. And we shall move on from uh, Shan's emotional constipation uh, to the development news that's been happening this week. 
Um, obviously, we've had some streams uh, both last Thursday and obviously today. Um, in that stream, they've had no new news about Odyssey whatsoever. Uh, there was some high-octane racing, uh, and Bruce had some tech issues, and today they had the social side of things with some um, uh, some exploration after all the, the usual sort of stellar screenshots and things. However, on Friday, they did release another set of questions and answers. So, just like last week, we're going to be able to go through and do a deep dive on each of these. So, um, shall we start with question one? Can a ship and uh, SRV damage a player if I run over it? And they've replied with, absolutely, an SRV can damage or kill a player if the player is not fast enough to get out of the way. And the same thing goes for the AI. Although they will do their best to evade you if you see you coming. So basically, Carmageddon with SRVs, guys. How does that sound to you? Sounds a very fun game. Sounds brilliant. Sounds really good fun. I can't wait. Go on, Ben. Didn't we know that already? Yeah, we did. Yep. Okay. Yes. So what would happen, though? Because the SRV has got a very high ground clearance. So if you can crouch or lay prone... Could you lay prone and let the SRV go over top of you? Tell you what, Shan, you, you lay, lay prone, prone and I'll find out. I'll, I'll, I'll test on you. I really doubt it. You can't. I, well, that's the thing. They've not even said whether you can crouch, have they? I don't think going prone gives, makes you immune. I don't think going prone gives you immunity or makes you um, impervious to gunfire or, uh, or, or collision. Well, what makes me wonder is whether it all depends on whether or not you're hit by the tire or whether you've crouched underneath the SRV. Because it doesn't matter where, where you are with the tire, you're, you're squished. If in the Dirty Dozen, they crouch down and then the Jeep goes over top of them and they put an explosive. Is this before or after they all start crying? Oh, this is, this is, this is why one of the Dirty Dozen members gets killed, you see. So that's another sad bit. Yeah, anyway, it does, it, oh dear. You know, it, I really shouldn't even admit to any kind of emotional, uh, any kind of emotions on this show at all, should I? Because basically the toxic masculinity just cuts you straight down to size. <laughs> we are all about toxic masculinity here. <laughs> anyway, um, no, I. I think we're going to see a theme with these questions and answers, which I think we'll come to towards the end of the uh, <laughs> end of the this session. So it's the next says um, question: Will there be updates to ship and SRV combat as well as ground combat? To which the replied: Ship combat and SRV combat is in a healthy place right now. Our focus is on ground combat for Odyssey and ensuring it's is well balanced against vehicles. We will be looking closely at balancing in the upcoming alpha. Who'd like to kick that one off? Shan? Um, I'd argue ship combat is in a, good, is in a healthy place. It, it, needs, it needs sorting out. But anyway, um, yeah, it, it'd be interesting to see what maneuverability and things like that. Because we, we talked about it last week where we talked about uh, high and low G worlds. So would it be possible to use your Tigger mode or your thrusters or anything to almost do a jump 
backflip and shoots, that kind of sort of combat where it's not just feet on the ground, FPS style, but you use the planet's gravity to optimize your Well, considering combat. how much they've made uh, a point of the, of the jetpack, I th- I, it'd be daft if they couldn't. Well, No Man's Sky has a jetpack which lets you with pretty developed features and you can't um and and it it doesn't really play a role in combat like yeah okay you you know you can you can surmount you, you can climb on top of things and and you know even the enemy or whatever but you still you can't like do backflips in the air or whatever it's always orientated so that your feet face the ground um i think it's i think it's probably pretty implausible that we're going to be able to do stuff like that are, are you, Shani, are you thinking Kind of like Warframe, that sort of level of mobility. Yeah, I mean, because having a having a player that always falls on their feet um, sort of implies they're in a cat suit, really, doesn't it? But I don't know. I, I just want more freedom of movement rather than just the standard kind of FPS degrees no, of access. I, I think it needs to be more imaginative, actually. As well, I don't, I don't think we'll get that. I think I think we'll get precisely what we've seen, which is feet on the ground, jetpack. It always orientates you head up, feet down. Ben? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Shan, in that I really, really want what you're describing. But unfortunately, I'm with Suve in that whilst I want it, I think we're just basically going to be like a double jump and you miraculously land on your feet every time. That would be funny yeah. if you didn't, though, would it? Because you could really awesome. get some good face planting, wouldn't you? If you didn't do it right, yeah. I would. I would love it if we could l- literally land on our heads. Oh, I... the, the amount of crack videos and mm. uh, and basically uh, blooper videos that we could do with that one. And of it course, would, it would be great if we could actually yeah. orientate ourselves and roll and pitch. You know, I had full six degrees of freedom, basically. On our jetpacks would be amazing. I just think they're going to be like super jump. You know, you're playing Mario. Hmm. That's a pity because um, you can imagine it. If we can do it with the SRV and land on your head in the SRV, it it does make you feel. Oh, I wish we could do that in the uh, yep. in the spacesuit. But um, mind you, <laughs> land face planting in a spacesuit normally means a smashed faceplate. A smashed faceplate means dead. So yeah, it would be funny. You'd die laughing, though, wouldn't you? Uh, I'll leave the laughing to you. You know, your shields could take you know, 90% of the damage or something like like that. So, you know, you, you, take your, you take your shield damage, then you take your spacesuit damage. And, if yeah, sure, if you, if you land on your head, you know, from orbit, then, yeah, it's going to hurt. I, I know Sue's desperate to get in, but I will have one thought about this landing on your feet thing. It does ask how much you'll be able to do base jumping. You know, say so you jump off a huge ravine and you have to time your thrusters to make you land on your feet before you went splat. Hmm. Anyway. Um, I think, uh, in general, what I've noticed, and this is going to sound like negativity, and I don't, I don't really mean it to. It, it, so far, there have been 
the, the story since June with Odyssey has been a case of, um, here's a teaser. Great. Okay, cool. We've got all these questions. Here are all of our questions. I can't think of, correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't think of a single thing where players have asked about whether this means X big expansive new possibility of, of gameplay or feature. And Frontier have said, yes, you've guessed correctly. That That is the case. Like, I, um, you know, for example, uh, oh, you know, you want us to have that Neil Armstrong moment. Great. Does that mean that we can actually walk through the ship and disembark? No, no, it's a fade to black. Um, you know, I, I kind of feel like that, that, that players, we, we've sort of often thought that these video teasers, maybe they imply that, you know, that we're going to get a whole suite of new SRV variants or there's going to be... Um, uh, or the um, or the inhabitants of the settlements will be will have you know fully realised NPC schedules and you can you know sneak up on them when they're all sleeping or whatever and and this the you know whenever we've asked for clarity on these matters the answer has always been no actually you know what what you saw in the video is that is is what you're getting so I think the same applies here like it yeah yeah like parkour and stuff like that in first person shooter games is great fun. Um, I my, my attitude with Odyssey from now on is is very much if you don't see it in a teaser. It is not there. It is absolutely not there. You know, if, if we don't, you know, are there grappling hooks? Probably not. We'd have seen them already. Like, I, I sort of feel like that is a healthy attitude to approach the, the the update with to avoid disappointment. Yeah, you're managing your own expectations now. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Uh, next question: Do player shields affect ships like other ships do? To which they said, players will not be able to ram a ship while on foot. No, although it will be fun to watch someone try. Does this mean you can use a ship as a bouncy castle? <laughs> Throw yourself at a ship, go flying off. A free corvette, if you can run into a ship when it's dark. So you could like uh, say, oh, I'll give you a free corvette if you can run inside the ship. Go through it. Oh, right, trying... Yeah, okay. So you, th- <laughs> you think they won't have the clipping sorted and you just fly past somebody in the bridge? Well, no, I'll tell someone clipping doesn't work and they can get inside the ship. <laughs> and then, but you have, to, you have to go as fast as you can for it to work. Oh, I see. So you'd say, oh, it's going to work, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, and then laugh when it goes splat. No, no, not not me. I'm just thinking of other players. It's the sort of thing evil players would say and do. Okay, just hypothetically evil players. And if you know where we can find one, I'm quite sure someone will volunteer. Anyway, um, how will you balance night vision on ships with on-foot players? To which they say, night vision will work as it does currently, providing ship commanders with improved vision in low-light environments. It's worth noting that on-foot players will be very small targets for commanders and ships, too small for ships' weapons to lock onto. However, commanders and ships will be a very big target for players and foot, with some handheld weapons being able to lock on them. Well, this one backs to the, goes back to the old splash damage arguments that we've had before. And it does feel like, hang on a second... Does that mean that pop laser I got is going to affect a sidewinder or even worse? Uh, Shan? Yeah, that's where I was going. They can't be implying 
that someone with any alcohol weapon will be able to damage a ship with shield strength in the hundreds of megajoules and, and hulls that are designed to uh, withstand collisions at very high speed. And I'm talking about sidewinders here as well as the big ships. I, I, that, that's, that sounds like hand wavium to me. And if a group of players can shoot down a ship with full shields and armor and stuff like that, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know where they're going with that. Well, I think I know where they're going with it. I just hope they don't go there. Right. Yeah. I mean, unless they, unless you, they've suddenly invented shoulder uh, anti-ship launch missiles. I don't think it. It just feels wrong that you could shoot another ship down with a rifle or something like that. Well, if if they do invent these shoulder-launched anti-ship missiles, I'll uh, ditch my class four. Weapons, and I'll just load my ship up with them. Yeah, I I don't know. There's so many issues with that mechanic. Uh, We'll have to see. Yeah, I think that is that is one of the problems with this these Q and A's. It says an awful lot of we'll have to see. Uh, Question: Will the ship launch fighter be used in ground combat? And they said yes. All deployable vehicles can be used. A player can choose to deploy a fighter if they want with all the benefits and drawbacks that that provides. Now, yes, that means... Um, now, did they actually imply that you can take off in a fighter and land in that fighter and then get out of, get out of it? Or is it like is it, is it the moment where you just fly around but the ship can't land? I think this is an, inst- this is an example of... Gareth not knowing exactly how the game works in its current iteration. I don't, I don't think he's aware that you can't land your ship when you have an, uh, a ship launch fighter deployed. And to be fair, you know, it, it's a pretty arcane piece of information that you wouldn't necessarily know unless you spent your life on Discord talking about this stuff or you tried to do it in game, which not everybody would necessarily do. Fair enough. Chan? Oh, no, was, Ben. Sorry. No, thank you. Yeah, so I wouldn't say Gareth doesn't know, but I would say misquoted or speaking out of excitement rather than you know clumsy wording rather than Gareth doesn't know that you can't land an SLF. Um, basically, well, I, I think Gareth, you know, Gareth knows how you play the game. He's we know that. Yeah, but that doesn't mean he knows every single detail. I mean, there, there's loads of stuff that yeah, we don't know there's about. A, there's a lot of, it's a well-known... I think it's, it's... I think it's... I'd be very surprised if Gareth does not know that you can't land an SLF. It's so just you think, you think it's just awkward wording on his part? I think it's awkward well, we'll, wording. We'll be able to cover that later, because there's a, question, there's a question that deals with this later, so we'll be, we'll be able to look at it there. Um, next one, will we... Hold on, hold on. Oh, yep, Shan, sorry. You um, Yes, I was thinking about the ship launch fighter and the effect on other players. And I'm wondering, will the weapons all have the same damage and nature as it's supposed to? Say, for example, um, if I fire a Gauss cannon or a beam laser from a ship launch fighter, Will it go through a player and go out the other end and then shoot another? You know how some in, in some totalitarian regimes, they used to line prisoners up against a wall, put their heads together, and shoot one bullet oh. and kill, 
God. Uh, and do a lot of them. So I'm just wondering, will, as I say, Gauss cannons or whatever have that same penetrative ability to do that, or will they just, it somehow mystically stops at the player and doesn't travel through them? You're just wanting that Deadpool more, aren't you, when he gets three with one bullet? Well, it's a, well and, and, and as regarding the not sure if they know the answer or not, maybe this sort of thing hasn't occurred to them. They haven't tried it, so therefore, in their minds, they assume it is, but they haven't actually tried it yet. Don't know. Well, yes. Next question then. Will we be getting an addition to the ship HUD? Apparently, as seen in the gameplay reveal, we have a compass. Uh, surely to make things easier to communicate with other players on foot and in ship slash SRV, a north directional indicator should appear on your radar when in orbit around a planet or an atmosphere. The current, and to which they've replied, the current HUD for ships in Elite Dangerous provides all the relevant information that Commander needs in Odyssey. So they're not making any changes to the ship HUD. Does anybody anybody feel like these answers are very creative ways of saying no? (laughs) <laughs> Gareth, Gareth would be really quite good in PR or, or politics I think yeah well the next one guess what will spaceships be able to deploy anti-personnel slash vehicle bomb slash missiles we have no plans to add specific anti-personnel <laughs> and we've put a huge amount of work into ensuring the combat triangle remains balanced and fair Ships will, however, have creative opportunities to use their existing arsenal, i.e. splash damage from dumb fires, I guess. One thing I did really appreciate about Sandro uh, was he, uh, he was very good at saying no to players and did so straightforwardly. Sandro knows the Marco. Yeah, exactly. Precisely that. I, I, I don't really blame Gareth. You know, it's, it, it, it's, he's absolutely, you know, there's no... It, it's it's it is worth emphasizing the good aspects of even and and, and a flat no is uh, shuts down any possibility of, yeah, of ameliorative uh, circumstances. But, um, but once yeah, again, some of this these, is gone. Once again, all, all these answers feel like they've been fed through a CM filter. Yeah, but we'll come yeah. on to that after the end of this. I can kind of understand where they're coming from, though, because even today, weapons like cluster bombs have been banned. Um, so the specific anti-personnel ship weapons, you know, can you imagine depositing several hundreds of tons of cluster munitions on a base? You'd just make the whole basically death trap, which, although it would be fun to watch, wouldn't be exciting gameplay for everyone else. So I, I can kind of understand that. And the uh, use of the word have creative opportunities, I almost feel that's laying down a gauntlet to the player base. Yeah, that's a challenge. See what you can do to cause as much damage as possible What we got, what you got. Challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah, well, there, there was an issue, remember, that if they do those kind of small munitions um, uh, drops, that would be the equivalent of dropping hundreds of canisters over uh, a particular area. And we all know what happens when you do that in the game because it it just grinds everything up unbelievably. I don't think the the game can handle the the hundreds and thousands of 
Wasn't it though? It was because it wasn't wasn't the reason for that was because he was having to track and render them on the HUD, not because they weren't necessarily there. All I know is that it couldn't handle it, so they 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 time out your your cargo. Someone did a test yeah. in the middle of the uh, the station. I, I just think I just think cluster munitions and things like that would be fairly poor gameplay for everyone else because you'd have people just flying over seeding them and seeding them probably using synthesis to make more and you yeah it just wouldn't be fun for all the other players and then solo uh so here's another one uh will we be able to drop in from our ships or do we have to leave and exit the ship like normal during combat situations and they said in order to deploy from your ship commanders need to land first so I'm afraid it looks like there's no um, diving from uh, skydiving from a high height and uh, inserting yourself into into one of the uh, outposts that way. But nothing, nothing about landing, jumping on top of a ship, and then being lifted by said ship and jumping <laughs> off the ship. True. Truly, they haven't said anything about that because we haven't tested that yet. We know that we've got SRVs that people can get up into orbit and drive off the ship. But and if you always uh, land on your feet, then you know what's the issue? <laughs> yeah. Next question: Can we engineer our SRVs? There will be extensive engineering <laughs> options, suits, <laughs> and weapons in Odyssey. However, there are no plans to engineer SRVs. Gareth, don't do this to me, please. It's, it's, <laughs> please stop, please. We need a saying no song soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll work on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking no, the answer's no. <laughs> hey, you sing that to let it go. There you go. Yeah, exactly, it's yeah. A no. <laughs> it's, it's a no. A no. <laughs> well, F, it, F it no, F it no, yeah. <laughs> I'm being polite, but F it, no. <laughs> oh, we'll have the we'll have the parody song ready by the end of the, so, end of the, end of the show. <laughs> we, can just, we can send it to Frontier and just be like, here, we made this for you to, to make responding to Q&As easier. <laughs> uh, right, and the final question is, when doing a multiple vehicle assault, is it possible for player crew members to drive SRVs from the ship they don't own? similar in a way to launching an SLF is now. To which they said, absolutely. It's this yes. is cool. This is brilliant. This is, re- this is genuinely really cool and interesting, and I hope not a mistake. <laughs> For instance, there would be nothing to stop a commander in an Alliance Crusader have one of their multi-crew teammates deploy in a ship launch fighter, landing and deploying the other multi-crew teammate in an SRV before heading in on foot themselves. So effectively, um, it does. Oh, well, that says to me that yes, you can launch a fighter, then land, and then launch a, um, uh, an SRV. So basically, that answers the question we had earlier. Um, now, we've known that they're going to be able to do this before. Because we've, we've discussed this before, because this is what there was, they were saying about the, the real, you know, the real physical crew in. Silly bunny quotes. Um, Chan? Yeah, this is interesting because it looks as though they're applying the same ownership rules 
to SRVs in the same way as they do currently to fighters. And by mean ownership rules is um, every item or every primary item in the game apparently has to have an owner. And um, it's, it's the thing that stops, for example, Ben being able to fly my ship while I run off in a SRV. Uh, currently is because the ship belongs to me and it would violate the rules of ownership. And I don't mean as in terms of in because um, <clears throat> I paid for it. It's just a mechanic the game uses to uh, track items. So I'm just wondering if you didn't own a ship, could you? how would you do multi-crew with SRVs if you didn't own a ship? You, everyone would have to have their own SRV, wouldn't they? I, I don't know don't, where you're getting no. this from. Because yeah. um, you just, when you join someone's crew, you have access to the either their fighter, the gunnery station, or the SRV. There's, yes, you don't have to bring SRV, your own SRV with it. Yeah, but I'm saying that's because you own a ship. No, I'm on about the, the, the crew member that joins. The crew member that joins doesn't have to own a ship or an SRV. They just... Join yeah, but I have to own the ship to join the crew, don't I? Currently. Well, yeah, but everybody owns the ship anyway, so that's the move. Yeah, point. so so I'm just kind of wondering how if you say Ben, if you haven't got a ship, yeah, how and you want to have a multi-crew without owning a ship, how does that work? I don't know. Well, I, I say, hey Shan, could you land here in your Cobra? I walk onto your Cobra. I sit down next to you, and then I'm multi-crewing with you. That's how it works. Yep. No, but you're you're multi-crewing with me. I'm not multi-crewing with you, am I? Ah, right. I know. I now know what you're on about. As far as you're concerned, you will never be able to multi-crew um, if you don't have a ship. You'll never be able to fly that ship. Yeah, okay. I wouldn't expect to be able to fly your ship, but I would expect to be able to drive your SRV or your SLF. Yeah, you can become a crew member, but you can't become a commander, effectively. Yes. Does that answer your question, Sean? Well, I'm just thinking it through. I'm, I'm trying to think of interesting things to test. Troll people with. No. 2021. Good, Chan. Mm. Oh, Sue's got a song. When you say good, Shan, is that like... Is that in the same way that people are like, oh, I think 2021 is going to be way better than 2020, and then they have riots oh, and they kill people? Well, you've also got to remember, as far as this year is concerned, 2020 won. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I've been storing that one up. <clears throat> anyway. Really good. You're happy with that one, so- very good. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I think what we'll do is we will move on uh, in just a second to... Oh, actually, no, let's not for a sec. Um, now, overall, these questions came out on Friday. Uh, what was your impression of these, to be honest? Because, well, I'll come back with my my opinion at the end. Who wants to go first? Heard You'll come back with your before, what? Heard it before, no, no, no. Heard it before, no. Oh my fucking god! We're doing what? Uh, no. It was a little bit. Um, it was. It was a, a slightly. It was one of the less Im, the, the less edifying Q and As. I think. 
they're still they're still worth doing and 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 defining defining the limit to what players will be able to do is useful um, because it avoids disappointment yeah, but later said on. said half of it before, but more than half. Well, yeah, yes. but yeah, but if the questions nice keep coming, the to, yeah, if all the it's nice having the answers all in one place, I guess. Yeah, and 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 if people are still asking the questions, then they do. Yeah. You know, I, I I don't I don't begrudge them that. I think it I think it would probably be useful for them to be a bit more to be slightly more savvy about the questions they pick because if they mm. if they pick. If they pick questions, because you know Frontier are not short of question of questions that people are asking about Odyssey. Yeah, but if they, they, they can't if, answer if, them. Well, no, but what I'm saying is, why don't they? You know, if I was if I was Frontier and in my infinite wisdom uh, was planning these things, it would it wouldn't be a terrible idea to make sure that every Q and A you have at least two A's that are exciting that people can can get thrilled by because th- this one mm. did feel a little bit like it was all no all dressed up nose or all stuff we've already been told uh, but but that is a, a very very that is a, a really idle critique and broadly i, I don't I, I didn't particularly mind that this one wasn't very thrilling because but isn't it more exciting isn't it good though at least they're actually answering or providing words sorry uh in response to a question because if they just didn't do anything at all would that not be worse precisely Ab- absolutely that yeah i think i think um i think the fact that uh, I, I think I can't really compare this to other online games, but I, I'm pretty sure that Frontier are fairly remarkable in the degree of engagement that they have, and the fact that they're they're doing these regular Q and As, I think, is is pretty cool in itself. I mean, we had this problem today with the uh, uh, with the the stream that uh, Stephen and Zach did. I think most of what Stephen said was along the lines of. We can't talk about that now, or no, we can't discuss that now. And it is, I mean, you could tell that he was getting frustrated with it because there's obviously an awful lot that he wants to tell, but he can't. But every single time one of these questions come up, you can just just see him not lose his rag, but just get, oh God, not another one I've got to say, I can't tell you anything about this yet. And I think it's beginning to tell on the CM staff just as much as it is telling on us. Sean. Do you do you think that this is a symptom of having to delay Odyssey in that they have a marketing plan, they know what they have to say by when, but because the end date has moved, they're having yeah. to spread it a bit yeah. thin? Absolutely that, yeah. yeah. I, I think ten, 10 months to 18 months is far too long to be to be generating and sustaining uh, hype at the level of engagement that they've set themselves. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I completely agree with that as well. It's this, um, you just feel like we're going to get a lot more filler, just like the, I mean, they've, they've said they're going to keep the narrative going at the same pace that they already planned at, which I suppose mm-hmm. that's, that's a good sign. But you do feel that any information that we're going to get about Odyssey, we've got about, maybe two months worth of just filler before they can start building up the hype again. Yeah, you felt we, that there was momentum just before Christmas, and then it's gone. Yeah, Wintermute uh, on chat said, in today's stream, Stephen said we'll all be together in Odyssey in November, which sounds a little bit like, hey, we'll all have a normal summer. But, you know, we'll... I, I didn't listen to the stream, but it does sort of say the console release will be by November, if Stephen <laughs> yeah. is correct. So, yeah. 
So we, we, we will have a normal summer this year, guys. And I mean, then... that, that, that makes it a full year after it was supposed to come out. Anyway, sorry. Oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's for everything. That's for consoles as well, remember? Not, I, know, I know, but... but not PC but, Master Race. Yeah, but consoles and PC were, all, were, were never due to be separate, and they were all due by the end of 2020, so uh, November 2020. I don't know. It's it, it just we have subtly and quietly had a full, a full year's delay on, uh, on the full release of Odyssey. Yeah, if you're, if you're a console player, that's exactly what's happened. But, um, I mean, if I put my development head on, I can understand why they've done it. It's just, I, I know how it's so frustrating. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think this COVID, the COVID does have um, a lot to answer for this because there's, well, yeah. Uh, everyone thinks that I'm, I, I white knight them and say that COVID isn't, they're just using it as an excuse. But I mean, I gave Guard Frequency a piece of my mind uh, on their last episode because of the very same thing. What, what were they saying and what was your objection? Oh, there, uh, there was a lot of them who just basically said that they were just using it as an excuse. And I went full keyboard warrior mode, I'm afraid to say. <laughs> sent them a, a rather strongly word, worded letter, <laughs> which they read out on air. Which I, I from, think... from you, Colin, that sounds like the uh, Arnold Brimmer protest letter from Red <laughs> War. <laughs> I, I'd like to think of it more of the equivalent of the Paddington hard stare. <laughs> but you should yes. unleash the Zeno bunny on them. Uh, yeah, but um, I think their response was, well, those Brits shouldn't lick their own fruit. And I thought, okay, fine. Well, yeah, but at least we've got all the vaccines. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, about Very naughty. Again, yes, sensitivity there, Shan. Nice, Shan, was it? I just can't, I, you know, I... I try not to actually criticise people directly, and you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I've got time for white knights, and I've got time for um, haters. Because if you listen to what they say, both sides usually have a point. Got to say, yeah, Shan, interesting, interesting. Off aside, I do actually think that you are probably the most uh, rational. You're one of the most rational and e- even-minded critics of various things. Like I was just thinking as you were saying that, like lots of people fit quite neatly into. Um, Yamek style offensive hater or um, <laughs> or mindless white knight, um, and uh, and you do not fit neatly into one of those two categories. You are uh, your, your your criticism slash praise tends to be considered, and I would consider earned as well. well thank you very much, Steve. You have a Christmas card next year, <laughs> <laughs> full of anthrax. <laughs> no, 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 no. It'll be it'll it'll have it'll be scented with little rose petals in it. <laughs> it'll be oh, scented good. with arsenic. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Right. Um, well, we'll leave the uh, in-game news for the moment, uh, and we'll be coming back in a sec with the in-game events. I could murder a cup of tea, Yorkshire Gold, if you have it. Double Yorkshire Gold. <laughs> and if you don't have it, you're dead. Lave Radio, broadcasting to every corner of the galaxy. I always love the fact that Tom Baker is just so out there. 
<laughs> oh dear. Anyway, Galnet news. What and in-game events, which has been happening this week. Well, um, as far as uh, the Galnet news is concerned, we've had quite a lot going on. Um, we've had the trial of the Fleet Admiral uh, Vincent. That's begun. Uh, with uh, Jemiza Hazley providing testimony about Starship One and the motivation for the assassination attempt. Uh, the Sirius Corporation won the CG, which means that they secured the hosting of the Galactic Summit. Uh, and unfortunately, the Alliance has now delayed their um, elections due to the fact that it would conflict with the Galactic uh, Summit. So um, it's, they say it's been put back by three months, but there's a lot of outcry in the Alliance that um, that is unconstitutional and so on and so forth. Um, and the final thing that we had from uh, the trial is that core dynamics have been implicated in some way in the Starship One sabotage. However, that was paling into insignificance compared to what happened on Thursday. Um, for those of you who uh, missed it, we had a a request for pilots to trace a distress call. Uh, apparently, an independent vessel had detected a fragment of a mysterious message coming from an unexplored region of space. Commander Elsa Solomon was travelling through the Swalitz XXD C1-30 system when our ship's communications array picked up a faint transmission. And that kicked off a whole lot of searching. Um, basically, from the system Swalitz XXD CT 30, um, they reckoned that there was an 80 light year range of where that signal could come from. And let's just say that the, um, the place that sent this was called um, Serene Harbor. They didn't know whether it was a a, a ship, a station, or a facility on the planet. Uh, and, yep, yeah, everybody went to work. And they went to work incredibly fast. It was three hours before somebody found the facility that was sending it out. Yeah. I wish I could find my Sky remote that quickly sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so just just to let, let people th- realize the scale here, there were approximately 4,900-ish systems that were within 80 light years of that. And they found, and people found it within three hours. That is, that is amazing. I'd love to see the figures because that to me says there was a lot of commanders involved, which is great. You've also got to bear in mind that that 4,900 systems can be limited down to, I don't know the numbers, but less than that because obviously you, you go and find how many systems are in the area that have landable planets. Mm-hmm. And then you could, you know, you could also go and say, well, we can cancel uh, Red Dwarf Stars and things like that. Or at least you could make an educated guess and say, well, it's probably not these these star types. Yeah. Um, there so was, Canon, I think, yeah. put out a, a spreadsheet. They, they interrogated, I think it was EDSM, and pulled out all the star systems within 80 light. Uh, Light years, and then just let everybody go through it and cross it off the list. So um, that was, I mean, that was that was um, well organized. Uh, I, did you get the feeling that they were expecting it to last a bit longer? 
I think, well, going by Frontier's statements of, you know, ha-ha, we've really gone and thrown the gauntlet down for you this time, guys. <laughs> and, you know, all that kind of bigging it up that Arf was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, sorry, dude. Yeah, Next. it did. I think it's incredibly hard for them to gauge how quickly things will be. Um, mm. set, set, setting puzzles and trying to guess how quickly people will get them when you've got when you've got hundreds of thousands of people, uh, I think it's probably very difficult. Yeah, up to eight, uh, 12 million people. <laughs> the last yeah, I, mean, I think they were, yeah. I, they were working out sort of how many people were doing it, and it was like you know basically everyone's got to check five systems. Everyone who said they were going to help only had to check five systems or something like that. Yeah, it, it was. I was hearing. Uh, I don't was, think uh, it matters. Sorry, I don't think it matters how long it takes to solve a puzzle. It's the journey of how people get to the answer that's the important bit. I think it's the friends we make along the way. Exactly. <laughs> well, it was discovered uh, by Commander Russet Meles, um, and the facility was found uh, on our CRA sector. AF-AD42, Planet 3B. So um, the credit goes to uh, Ernol, found the planet as well. I'm assuming that's this, the Reddit name, Amanda Russell Mellis. Um, so <laughs> what was found there was uh, basically a Imperial... Oh, hang on. I think. Should we put in a spoiler warning or is, is it all too late now anyway? Uh, spoiler warning for the next minute or so, um, if you want. Or you can just read out random star systems. Right. One of these. I think it's, good. it's got interesting things for the story. Yeah, it has. Um, so, spoiler alert, if you don't want this, this spoiled for you, skip ahead five minutes. Um, it did appear that this is a Imperial Black Ops uh, interrogation center where um, during the CG versus the Federation versus the Empire for or the Marlinists in LTT 1935 um, there the Imperial uh, the Imperial Intelligence Service picked up some Marlinist um, terrorists at a bomb making factory and they were shipped here however it does seem that these Marlinist terrorists were not only able to withstand the interrogation that um, was thrown against them, they also escaped. And they also escaped by using Imperial codes in quite a brutal manner. There wasn't any Imperial guard left alive. There wasn't any uh, prisoner left alive. It was just the Marlinists that got away. Um, How many Bonson spies? had to escape with these imperial codes well that's the thing many because they don't know how high up or they don't know whether or not the the IIS the the imperial intelligence service whether or not that's been infiltrated by Marlinists or whether or not the codes were just stolen so everybody is a little bit on edge about I'm not. <laughs> okay. Overall, what do you think to the um, to the event? I mean, I quite like the the plot advance that came with this, but I love it. I think it's brilliant. 
Yeah, I'm glad they did it. It's a nice breath of fresh air from CGs all the time. Yeah. I just think... Arthur, if you're listening to us, get somebody... If, you, if you're having problems with the puzzles, get somebody like Wishblend to help you design them. Because she's devious <clears throat> and she does all those puzzles for Lavecon. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I must admit, I don't think there's much they could have done against a brute force uh, search effort like that. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it, it was um, yeah. Well, they could uh, However, however um, there are people who believe it's not over. Um, I do believe Malik VR is convinced that there is more to it than just this um, uh, this particular facility, and there is more attached to it, and he is. He's going from hell to high water trying to find um, a new connection or something like that. Um, there were rumors that um, if you scanned a NPC anaconda that was taking off at the time, it would give you coordinates, but I've been out there. There's no NPC anaconda unless it's a, one of these random events. And everyone got excited because 60 miles north, there were, someone discovered a crashed ship that seemed to have something to do with it. But again, that was just a point of information. Uh, one of those random encounters that you can get from time to time. So um, the one thing that Stephen did refuse to answer on, on today's stream, though, is whether or not the event was over. But I think everybody, the one thing, he was asked several times. I, you see, the thing is, I don't know whether he caught the question and ignored it or whether or not he didn't even see the question. That, that's that's the problem. You just because normally, if if they at least acknowledge the question, but in this case, they just blanked it. It's as if it didn't exist. There's quite a lot of legal stuff going on, isn't there, in the galaxy at the moment? With well, trials and evidence. Well, not just that, but it's you know i don't know i i think they should uh, adopt the medieval way of determining whether someone was telling the truth or not what are, are you on about um throwing them into a stream and if they sink and drown no, no, they're no, telling the truth no, space them okay if they uh, if if they die and you know asphyxiate in space then they were telling the truth. And if they stay <laughs> alive in space, they're lying and they're an alien and they should be killed. Well, it's funny you should mention that. Looking at the chat channel, Stuart GT, who is um, uh, the the keeper of the, the elite Reddit, um, he's saying that Malik is correct. It isn't over yet. So we might have... We might find something there. I mean, I hope, I, I do hope they've been devious and there is something there. But at the moment, I mean, is it, is it trial by combat that you want to re-establish, Sean? Um, no, because there's a chance of someone winning with them. Trial by spacing. As I say, you space them, just like the World Witch Trials at Salem. It would just end the story really quickly and to... A lot of um, them, and if you survive for ten minutes, then you're obviously innocent. Need to be killed. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. If, if they survive after being spaced, 
Yeah, you're an alien, so therefore you have to be killed. And if you asphyxiate, then you're human and innocent. And then your your relatives can then have the satisfaction of knowing that you died being innocent. It's only fair. That, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm looking up fear and, and the dictionary. I don't think it <laughs> Would you not really want to, you know, introduce them to a pneumonia atmosphere, really, Shan? Oh, yes, because if they survived in the ammonia atmosphere, they're Thargoids. They're obviously a Thargoid. Uh, exactly, <laughs> yes. Yeah, we don't know if Thargoids can survive in a vacuum. That's a really good point, Ben. I hadn't thought of that. It's very hard not to conclude that medieval people were fucking stupid, isn't it? <laughs> like, killing somebody, killing somebody if they... Uh, Say, saying that if they, if they drown, they're innocent and therefore should be pardoned is just spectacularly stupid. Like it, it's it, it's really hard to envisage what the world must have been like before rationalism. That's, that sounds well, incredibly arrogant. We have but, rationalism um, now. <laughs> Souverine, have you met a mob? <laughs> well, you, good point. You know, did you, did you see the events that took place recently? And would you say they were rational? That's true. That's very true. And that was just in the House of Commons. <laughs> yeah well moving on from there um obviously we've had newsletter three i think it's 310 um i'm afraid there's there's not much i think it's basically recapping things for the last um month or so which i, I think we've covered in detail in previous episodes um so moving on from there we've had Go on, Souverine, you know you want to. Store alert! There you go, that's what we needed. Um, yeah, the, we've got new Mamba skins. Yes! Thumbs up for the Mamba skin. Wait, when you said the Mamba skins, it sort of reminds me, do, 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 come on and do the Mamba. <laughs> okay. Shouldn't it be, come on and do the Conda? Maybe, but it wouldn't. It wouldn't then link into the Mamba skin, then, would it? Okay, well, that's right. just saying your idea was wrong. Right. Before we take the tangent, ta- uh, the tangent train line to Thomas the Tang Engine Town, can we please take a break and come back with some adverts? Well, howdy there, partner. My name's Buck, and I'm a trader. People ask me, Mr. Naked, just what do you trade in? Well, I'll trade anything to earn me more credits. But what old Buck Naked trades in is his very own space cow. Y'all know it as the Lake On Spaceways Type 9. She may turn slow and lumber along, but she's got plenty of room in her belly to store your load. And when I take her to Hutton Orbital, you can be sure that Buck Naked will be relaxing in his cockpit, counting the credits those poor saps will pay me for delivering hundreds of tons of goods they need. So if you want to get rich, pick yourself up a Lake On Spaceways Type 9, the Space Cow, for your utter delight. Lave Radio, transmitting to every corner of the galaxy. I spend so much time in my Imperial Trader, I find it really hard to meet people. I mean, 
When do you get the time to go to bars when you're taking on courier jobs for the military? But with VenusDating.com, it was so simple. I just put in my personal details and they found me my perfect match. I really thought it would be difficult, but Venus Dating made it so simple, with so much in common. We both like movies, walking along the beach at sunset. Browsing imperial shipyards. And of course, since we started dating, we've discovered that we both really love... <laughs> shooting <laughs> Thargoids. Let your voyage begin with venusdating.com for every first encounter. Attention, attention. Lave station in Fort Marshall. We interrupt your broadcast to bring you essential system information regarding the planet Lave. One of the oldest colonies of the sector, Colonial Deep Space Cruisers Herschel and Oberon reached the system designated L-453 in 2412. The star system was at that time, unique, a single super-Earth type planet in orbit within the exact habitable zone of a single orange dwarf star. No other planets or sizable bodies existed in the system. The planet's rotation took just over 20 standard hours, and the gravity was close enough to 1G for the difference to be unnoticed. Lave is a trading center for this region of unusual systems. Through some unexplained quirk of nature, all these systems have just one inhabited world orbiting a single star. Lave was most famous for its vast rainforests and the Larvian tree grub. Much of the rainforest has now been cut down and the famous tree grub is now extinct. Lave Station is the galaxy's oldest serving Coriolis. It was commissioned in 2752. Welcome back. Um, now, one of the things that uh, caught her eye this week was that um, a discussion happened in our Discord channel, which um, I think caught uh, Ben's eye, and we thought this might be a good we uh, good discussion subject for today. So, Ben, would you like to take it away? So, it's basically it's all about ways that Elite Dangerous gets future, funded in the future. Um, you know, it, it all came from Souverine's very tongue-in-cheek and totally not serious store alert jingle that he's done. Um, where you know people, we had a couple of people saying you know you're being really pissy about about frontier why you know how dare you how dare you say these things about you know all these lovely skins that people are doing um and things like that and it's like it, it, we sort of get into a question of well how how should the future funding of elite dangerous how should it, how how should the future development of elite dangerous be done you know, should it be sort of funded purely from new game sales, for example? Should it be funded from Odyssey when it comes out? But they've had nothing funding that in the past, you know, since uh, Horizons came out. Should it be done through microtransactions, as we're seeing with all the ARCs things that we've got now? Uh, and in the past, it was just obviously, you know, ship skins or covats or body kits for real money. And then, of course, you know, when you start talking about that, somebody somewhere goes off and brings up, well, why don't we just do a subscription for it? Um, so there are obviously, there are, there are benefits to a subscription model. So 
I guess I'm going to say, Suv, do you want to, you were the sort of one who mentioned the subscription model. Do you want to bring, do you want to highlight that? Yeah, okay. Um, so I, I was the one advocating this, um, and uh, and it was mostly as a sort of it was it was it was sort of exploratory, really, rather than uh, rather than definitely being uh, what I think the future for the game ought to be. Um, and um, and my uh, and I guess my caveats are, or, or my disclaimers are that I uh, I don't really play any other MMOs. Uh, I don't I, I don't really know what the uh what the norm is uh i'm vaguely aware of some that do charge subscriptions and some that don't and what the trends are um but this elite is my first uh online game that i've been involved with in any in any capacity um and um uh the um uh so that said the the theory of a subscription makes sense to me um one thing that has always irked me about um about elite ever so slightly is the fact that there is a um anybody who who studied economics at all will be will be familiar with the, the concept of consumer surplus which is the difference between what you would be willing to pay for a good and what you do actually pay for it um and um and elite has elite has out of everything i own i think has the largest consumer surplus um, I've spent more on electricity playing Elite Dangerous than I have actually on Elite Dangerous itself. Uh, and I think that includes cosmetics, um, which is remarkable, incredible, really. Uh, and it's a situation that Zach summed up in, the, in his uh, sort of slightly knee-jerk response to the, um, to the open letter that was written in late 2019 about the, the, the bugs in the game. Um, and uh, a, load of, a load of people... Co-wrote, co-authored an open letter complaining about bugs in the game and demanding a beta period uh, to be implemented as, as well as a few other things. Um, and, uh, and tonally, the letter was possibly a little entitled, but, uh, but the meat of it came from genuine concern from a game that the, that the signatories cared about. Um, and and Zach's, respo- Zach's response was absolutely correct, totally correct, um, and I can't fault him on it, but it was essentially... Come on, guys! You've all had loads and loads and loads of fun out of Elite. You, some of you have been playing it for thousands of hours. We've never charged you more than the base game price. Wind your necks in. Um, I can't fault him on that. He's absolutely correct. But it, it, I've kind of thought ever since then that it's a bit of a shame because veterans who care about this stuff, they they do know a great deal amount about the game, and, and when they have concerns about it, they, those concerns normally don't come out of nowhere. They they normally come out from a place of having played it extensively, love it to bits but are acutely aware in a way that the devs probably aren't, where some of the, the friction points might be and some of the things that might want polishing. Um, and, um, and it struck me that the, the funding model where you buy, where you buy a unit, where, where you buy a, a, a game and play it, and, and that's all the money you ever give to the, um, to the developer, it sort, of, it sort of means that new unit sales are their, are, are their prime source of, of new revenue and therefore what they're incentivized to care about. Um, and really, if you've played the game for 2,000 hours and you, only, and you only bought it in 2015 for 30 quid or whatever, then Frontier really don't owe you anything. They don't owe you anything at all. You, you, your opinion on the forum is kind of irrelevant to them because, you know, they've got your money. And uh, th- this isn't meant to cast aspersions on anybody or, or, or Im- impute anybody's motivations. I think Frontier's motivations are generally very honorable. Um, but, but it's about incentive, about structural incentive. And I feel like if the game had a subscription... Um, then suddenly the veterans, the people who have played for 2,000 hours or whatever, suddenly they become the most valuable players and their continued playing of Elite becomes very, very desirable for Frontier. And, and I feel like in terms of development time and 
an effort spent on various features. You know, things like the BGS and PowerPlay in particular, I'll use PowerPlay as the example here. PowerPlay is something that is generally a late game activity. Most, most power players have been in the community for quite a long time. Um, and they are, that most, most of the ones that I know are veterans. And they, all of the ones that I know are veterans. And therefore, according to the incentive sort of structure touched on just now, that means that they, the Frontier kind of aren't incentivized to give a shit about what they think at all. Um, and um, whereas if, they, if, if there was a subscription model, those players would then become the most valuable players. And you might see things like squadrons and, and, um, uh, and power play given a bit more development attention. Um, and I, I would be curious as to what the behavioural impacts would be if Frontier, if Elite Dangerous was funded by a subscription rather than unit sales. You know, would would we see a greater em- a greater emphasis on polishing features rather than just releasing them and and then ignoring them, even if the feedback is that they don't work properly? Um, and and it's an open question because I don't know the answer, as I explained. I've, I, I don't have enough experience. And, and in the conversation we had on Discord, lots of people said very lots of very sensible things that, uh, that told me things that I didn't know. But that was my that was my that was my sort of setting out my stall. Um, and I'm very curious as to what you all think. <laughs> right, hang on for a second. I think we should applaud um, Souverine there for being able to go two minutes without repetition. <laughs> deviation or even taking a breath. That <laughs> really was a great filler busting moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe Gareth Hughes isn't the only one who wants to go into politics. <laughs> Shan, do you want to come back with that? Uh, yeah, which bit? Um, yeah, let's sort of just start from the, the, the basics, really. Um, I've played, I won't say all MMOs, but I, I've been. I've, played quite a few MMOs, some with subs and some without subs. And I think the subscription model was a product of its time where people generally just had the one game they played and they were quite happy to pay each month to have access to that game. Now, things tend to be much more um, gaming agnostic so to speak like people have a favorite game that they play a lot but they're not exclusive to that so if you were to have a subscription model it would make people trying to decide well which game do i put my 10 pounds a month into because similar to how streaming is um you can't subscribe to every game you have to choose one or two and on sue's point about um it being more attractive to the experienced player, I'm not quite sure that's correct in, in my view because if you've been there and done that, you're less likely to keep paying for something. And one of the arguments I've also seen for scri- subscription uh, models is, well, you pay to develop the game. Well, actually, kind of you don't. You pay the money to the gaming company, which you hope then allocate some of those funds you paid to develop the game. Because, I mean, for example, do you really think Blizzard used 100% of World of Warcraft subscriptions to go to World of Warcraft and didn't use any of that money to uh, develop other games? Well, I, I mean, it, I, I, possibly not, but I don't know whether that matters a great deal. Um, the, fact that, the fact that the subscription continued generating for revenue for World of Warcraft meant that the development continued to be funded. If if not a hundred percent of you know, if Frontier started charging a subscription for Elite Dangerous and they used forty percent of that money to make other games, 
that's still a lot of money going into the continued development of Elite Dangerous, and and it's still a lot of money that justifies keeping the servers on. Um, so I'm not sure that that I don't think it matters a huge amount. Colin did have a, a really good counterpoint to this actually, which I'll let him say if he wants to. Um, oh right, was was this the um, yeah? This goes back to my history with um, that wonderful organisation, Sony Online Entertainment, or SOE. Um, uh, for those of you who... Um... <laughs> oh, Ben, do you want to come in here first? No, I was just saying that Souverine, when, when, with his... Well, I uh, 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 sounded awfully like a certain uh, British Prime Minister. <laughs> <laughs> Naming no names. <laughs> Really? Oh, Margaret Thatcher. Yeah, I was about to People say, say that to about me all the time. All the time. And now my head is long, I look even more like Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> and Sue, you didn't, you, you can't have been a, a recent prime minister because you didn't intersperse the uh, Latin in there. Uh, yeah, that's true. I don't actually speak any Latin at all. So. Uh, although Venture did no, just anyway, say you have the hair. Anyway, anyway, Colin, yes. you were saying. Well, I was about to say, plus he hasn't lied yet, but there you go. Um, anyway, the, uh, it goes back to Sony Online Entertainment, or SOE. Um, back in my day, the, uh, back in the day, it was only 2003, um, you, you, you would end up subbing for one particular game. Uh, and that would be quite expensive by, the, by today's standards, about 15 months, which... Pleh, uh, but what would happen was that they would, that £15 a month wouldn't actually just go to the game. It'd just go into the general fund for the, uh, uh, for, uh, for the company. I mean, you have the advantage with EVE Online because they only have one game. So, you know, by subscribing to that, you know, the money's going in to just that one game. But the amount of time they have tried to branch off into other ones and wasted that money. It must really annoy some Eve players, but um, I mean, my point was that the problem is, is when player numbers drop under a sub model, they then just shut the game down. That's it. It's sunset. Which, if you've ever been through a sunset of a game, it's absolutely horrible. Um, and my experience with SOE was the fact that um, people switched their accounts from the. Uh, from the Matrix Online, pay once a month, £15 a month, to the, the Game Pass, which was £20 a month, but you got access to EverQuest and Star Wars Galaxies and, and all their others. Uh, but, and this was where the real kicker was, they didn't count people who do that pass as people that still played the game that I originally wanted to. So basically, they said, there's only 500 subs left in that game, so we're shutting it down when actually there was still about 5,000 to 10,000 people still playing. And basically, when you lost your playground, you lost all your friends and and contacts that uh, were in that game, and it, it was heartbreaking. And that's what I'm worried about when it goes to a kind of sub-model. Because the money won't go in back into Elite. It will go to whatever the else they're working on. Because as you said, once you've handed over your it's not yours anymore. It's theirs. It's their choice to do what they want with it. Chan. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just picking up on a couple of points that are in chat. I mean, in a way, if you play online on a PS4 or an Xbox, you're paying a subscription indirectly anyway. 
because you have to have subscription to Xbox Live and the PS Gold. So there is kind of a sub aspect to that, but I think you have to look at the way games are have been going since about 2006 really is that the age of having a subscription model has gone slowly towards buy to play or free to play with a in-game store or some sort of a cash store and you have to ask yourself why is that because if a subscription model worked in gaming now it would carry on but there has to be a reason why it's dying out as a way of funding games. And I think I think what happened is, as I said earlier, that um players tend to be much more casual because if you, you pay your ten pounds a month and you know, I pay I've had sub games as well. If you pay your ten pounds a month, you kind of feel obliged to play it because you're paying that amount each month. So it builds it it starts a kind of this is my second job mentality because I have to play enough hours to warrant it. So you end up playing for the sake of it rather than the enjoyment. But I think you just have to look at the way the industry has been going as to say, as to think why the sub model is being phased out. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm pretty sure ashes of creation is, um, is going to be a sub. Um, and dual universe is a sub and, uh, which is in beta. Um, and uh, I think uh, is New World a sub, or is that going to be uh, buy to play? I can't remember. Uh, when you say sub, though, is that a pure, is that a if you don't pay your sub, you don't get access to the game, or is that if you don't pay a sub, you don't get as many benefits? Because I know, for example, um, in Age Conan, which is one that went I played for a while. They have a they have a dual model. I think Star Wars as well, actually. If you you can play it for free, but you don't get as many character slots, or you don't get as many inventory slots, or you don't get access to some content, which you're then unlocked when you pay. So you don't get as much if you free to play than what you do sub. So the games you just mentioned are they the former where you don't get to log in unless you pay, or is your functionality limited? Yeah. Okay. That, that, that's that's a that's a good good question. The um, uh, dual universes don't pay, don't log in. Uh, I don't know about Ashes of Creation. I've got no idea. Um, I know actually Eva's moved to the model that you've just described, whereby you um, they have a, a limited uh, free mode. There is a there is a, a slight other. There's a, there's another slight um, point which I wanted to raise, which was that I think it would be cool if the cosmetics were anchored within the elite universe rather than being essentially a separate cash shop um it would be cool if the if painting your ship was done in the in the outfitting menu and could be bought with credits um it would be cool if we didn't need a separate currency um it would be it would be potentially more varied and uh, and less immersion breaking um so i don't, I don't think it's I, I think there is there are other slight arguments but uh, I don't disagree. That's not me disagreeing with anything any of you have just said. I'm just adding something that I forgot to add earlier that is a factor, I think. Well, there's a, there's a couple of things that I have a problem with that because as soon as you say, oh, you use your normal credits to upgrade your skins and things like that, that's when gold farmers start to get involved, um, which... Uh, well, it's no, different to, it's no different to the way the game works now. 
Buy, buying yeah. buying goods with buying good you know buying a paint job with credits is no different from buying is no different from buying a, a new frame shift drive with credits. The thing is, though, if you bought paint jobs with credits, you wouldn't then bring any money in the frontier because you could. There are people in game who have so many credits they wouldn't ever buy anything from the store ever. No, I know, but that, that that's that's why you'd have a sub. I'm 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 just I'm just I'm just saying that if you had a sub, you wouldn't have a, a cash shop for cosmetics, and therefore the cosmetics would be would be bought in universe just oh, right. in the so same we, way that any other outfitting item is. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I just completely forgot the point. Going to, but never mind. Uh, Sorry, but Shan, do you want to go in? Uh, yeah, well, I was about to. Um, I was I was about to compare some other games as well that. Uh, go that will go free to play, or um, or actually are uh, uh, buy to play. Is I mean, I'm trying to remember. Um, is so I've had Star Wars. I think Elder Scrolls, didn't it? That went free to play with some dis- um, dis- uh, what's the word? Some disadvantage if you didn't sub. I think Elder Scrolls went that as well. Um, remind me about. Um, Eve. I'm trying to leave my point now because it's so long. Um, yeah, that was it. That was it. Um, so we talked about cash shop items and pay to win, and I don't believe pay to win is in is in elite at all or in no. uh, the pay to win things usually in mobile games because it's how mobile games get their get their money, isn't it? You know, Star Citizen is arguably completely pay to win at the moment. Well, is Star Citizen a subscription model, or will it have a subscription model? Don't know. Not sure. The answer exists. I just don't know it. Because I thought it was, but I'm not. But I, I, I read it was going to have one. Um, You can subscribe to it, but but it's not. I I think the way it runs now is not the way it will run after 1.0. It's um, the way it runs now is unapologetically pay to win. But their argument is that you're helping to fund development, and it's a it's a work in progress. Right, because I thought the subscription model was if you bought a subscription, you got the Star Citizen equivalent of free rebuys or insurance, or that was what you were paying for. Uh, it might be one of the perks of um, of having a subscription. The subscription, they're called Imperator and uh, something else. And um, they, I think it's 10 and 12 quid a month, or 9 and 12 quid a month. And they give mostly behind the scenes access so they, they they give you you get access to certain chat rooms and you get a you get the development magazine from from cig and you get to fly a ship for free in the in the in the game every month and you get early access to new patches um so it's 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 primarily not about game advantage it's primarily about development insight Right. Well, um, I'm going to put my archivist head on here because I, I know a little bit about this. Um, the reason that free-to-play suddenly exploded was thanks to Dungeons & Dragons Online. Huh. Now, yeah, believe it or not, that game was failing horribly under a uh, subscription model. And basically, they, whoever was in charge of D&D Online at the time took an absolute risk. They just went, um, well, Shan is saying Guilds War 1, but um, I I remember 
Guild Wars One was buy to play, wasn't it, Shan? It was. Yeah, you're talking about a game that you could just download and play for free, and then yeah, that's what I meant. Okay, so let me finish. <laughs> um, so D and D, it was a feeling sub model. So they took a risk and said, right, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take out um, the subscription. We're going to put in a cash shop. So basically things like uh, potions, you could no longer craft potions you have to buy them. And if you were ever played that game, you knew that you needed healing potions to get through half the dungeons. Uh, so basically they said, said right, Anybody can play. Free access. You just have to download the client. And then they opened up the cash shop. And it went from a failing game to one of the most profitable games within a year. Wow. And as soon as that happened, every other game company got on that bandwagon. It's why there's a free-to-play model in SOTOR. It's why there's a, um, you know, a lot of people sort of say, oh, no, you can get up to the first 20 levels for free. Because that game broke the subscription model because, you know, it was completely free. You got it for free. Who's going to... It's really interesting. And it was actually, and it still is, a good game. Which, uh, if you like your D&D, although it's got nothing to do with the good old D&D rules. Um, Right, Shan? Yeah, it's a really interesting history lesson because the reason why I mentioned Guild Wars 1 was because it was one of, if not the first, uh, online games to come out as a buy-to-play model. Uh, and the funding model for Guild Wars 1 was you'd buy the game and then six to eight months later they'd bring out an expansion and you then bought the expansion. So the game was funded by you keep buying expansions. Um, and there wasn't there wasn't a kind of a, a in-game cash shop or anything like that. It was just buy the expansion, buy the expansion, buy the expansion. Now, the problem Guild Wars 1 ran into wasn't one of finance because it was it was quite profitable. Um, the reason was with the mechanics of the game just got so complicated. And by the time they got to the third expansion, it was impossible to balance. And that's why they came out with, with, with Guild Wars 2, which was buy-to-play. Um, but that had quite a successful in-game store that you accessed buying gems with real money. And I think that this leads us on to um, the store alert thing, is that maybe one of the reasons why we're a bit cynical about the store alert is the in-game store doesn't, at the moment, offer anything particularly compelling for us to spend our money on. And so we're feeling that somehow we're not getting value from the in-game store. And I think what what you what you said, Colin, was the in-game stores that with that are successful buy-to-play or free-to-play games all have things that actually players want to spend money on. And I think currently the the ship skins and what generally are not things players want to spend money on. You normally you only get really a, a jump in ship skins is when you have new ships. But um, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see in that. We will have to end this point on the fact that, um, according to the last uh, quarterly review, Elite Dangerous has generated from Four Frontier over one hundred million pounds worth of revenue. But how um, much of that is store, and how much of that is game sales? Yeah, yeah I'd love to know. They didn't break that down. Uh, uh, surpri- unsurprising, 
But considering that there are only 4 million bought copies of Elite Dangerous, that's still quite a huge chunk which has been handled by ship skins and uh, additional add-ons. Think about it. Wow. Yeah, that's a, good, that's a really good point. So, yeah, I, I think... And David Braben has always said he's, he's been quite vocal about the fact he doesn't want it to be pay-to-win. So, yeah. That's astonishing, actually. That means that um, uh, that means that unit sales have only been four percent of the revenue. That's incredible. Oh no, sorry. Um, that's if it if they all sold for uh, a quid. Um, yeah, yeah. But they, I mean, most of them would have sold for uh, most of them would have sold on sale anyway. So it's probably um, it you know, and and most of the ones that were on sale were between four and seven pounds. So it, it, it's probably not. Um, it probably does imply that uh, that the that unit sales on their own are a pretty small percentage of total revenue, like between 10 and 20, maybe. Interesting to see the cash flow as to whether or not what has caused that spike in revenue. But anyway. Yeah. Ben, jump in there. I'm going to disagree with what Shan's saying, actually, about how there's nothing I want to buy on the store. Um, I will agree that there's nothing new on the store that I'm wanting to buy. but. I've paid a reasonable amount of real money mm-hmm. in the store to buy uh, ship kits to customize the look of my ships that I like. Um, I've bought a couple of Kovases that I like. I've bought some of the, what I consider, nicer ship skins. Um, now, I'm not going to buy ship skins for ships that I don't fly. I'm not going to buy ship skins that I don't like the look of. But there is good stuff on the store, and especially if you're a newer player, then, hey, you might want to customize your Sidewinder, or you might want to go and spend 50p and buy yourself some sunglasses. Okay, Shan, do you want to quickly come back with that? Um, Yeah, looking looking back on the previous point I I was making, so Ben... In the last six months to the year, how much have you spent on ships on the store? Well, let's say um, since ARCs came in. Let's say since ARCs come in, have you spent more since ARCs came in or less since ARCs came in? I have spent zero pounds since ARCs came in. But that's uh, because... I haven't either. I haven't spent a single pound on the store since ARCs came in. Um, but... I'm different. Since... I've put money... Okay. Um, Just yeah, Since ARCs... Since Arx has come in, there have been no new ships. I've got ship skins. I've got my ships all looking how I like them. So I've had no need or desire to buy Arx, to buy ship skins. You know, if, for sake of argument, we all of a sudden got a Merlin, and then they were to release lovely ship skins for that Merlin, you know, maybe a, a nice white and blue ship skin or something like that, um, then I might consider buying it. Um, you know, we, all of us on the show probably bought the stuff that we wanted to get the ships we wanted looking the way we wanted them years ago, frankly. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. That is a very good point. I I, I know I've I've I spent uh, quite a lot of money uh, in my first three years of playing Elite because I was still buying ships that I had my eye on, um, and it was before I had all the ones I wanted. Yeah, and I, I think that does go back to what I was saying, Ben. I think we do agree to the kind of is that the issue now is we've all got the ships looking how we want them to look, and the stuff that's been presented to us in the store doesn't inspire us enough to go and spend bucks on them. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Going off and saying the store alerts aren't marketed at us, which isn't a big surprise, frankly. Yeah, I, I, don't, want to, I don't want people to think that I, uh, with the store alert thing, I don't want people to think that I uh, really resent Frontier's um, uh, desire to monetize elite and or or I think that they're tasteless or in or in or, or poorly done or crude or whatever they're not you know the, the store alerts are fine I I I literally just do it because it's funny um, I'm not, I don't have any I don't have anything I mean, against if, if we were new players just into elite just signed up to this the newsletter and things like that and all of a sudden I was like oh my god I've just got my mamba wow that's a really cool ship skin for the mamba take my money. Yeah. Oh, we're not there. You can just imagine how the store is going to evolve as soon as everyone wants to wear jackets when they're running around. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. So there we go. I mean, it's, it's, it's in downtime, and I'm afraid I'm going to have to Bring this discussion to an end because well, one more, uh, Colin. One more question, oh, Garth. Right, one in that case, more, I'm, Colin. I'm going to cut something um, from one, the other bits. No, then. no, no. On, one, one thing. Quick survey, submodel or in-game store model? Just answer that, each one of us. Okay, in-game store. Same, microtransactions. I would actually go for a sub. I, I would, my attitude to Elite and, oh, and, and video games in general is that I would, uh, I would rather... Um, when I play Elite, I play quite a lot, and I would be very, very happy to pay 10 or 12 or 5 or whatever it is, quid a month, to play Elite and have all of the cosmetics completely in the game's existing economy um, with uh, none of the restrictions and separation that currently exist. And also, the the I, w- I would quite like it if, you know, um, I felt like uh, as, a, uh, as a continuing subscriber that I was a very valuable customer. Um, so, uh, so yeah, my, my site preference would actually be for a sub, I think. But that comes from a position of complete ignorance, and I've never played a game with a sub. Okay, so so, here, so, so, so I'm I, I've, I'm gonna I was gonna say um, in-game store, but however, if Sue wants to pay me ten pounds a month personally to play Elite, and out of that ten pounds a month, I will allocate him five pounds a month to play in the in-game store with, like pocket money. I would be in favour of that. Great. Right. That's the end of that discussion. And we're going to have to cut something from our community corner because we're running out of time. So, um... <laughs> Lave Radio, transmitting to every corner of the galaxy. Welcome to the community corner. Well, uh, we've got a few things to cover tonight. Uh, the first thing that we will... Uh, actually acknowledge is that there's a new another yet another podcast out there um 
called Squeaking Fuel. Uh, now, Squeaking Fuel is uh, basically the, the, it's a podcast run uh, really to uh, emphasize the, uh, the work of the fuel rats. So if you want to know what the fuel rats are up to, uh, Squeaking Fuel is where you go, and we will uh, pass their Spotify link to you in, uh, in the show notes. Um, they do have uh, a, they do have a uh, an ex uh, an episode to this week about um, someone has discovered a, a rather Eve like exploit that uh, that is happening to new players at the moment. So we'd recommend that you go and listen to that and make your mind up to uh, <laughs> to what's going on. All I can say is it is very Shan like, uh, but what? we won't take away we won't take away any of their. Uh, Thunder. So we'd recommend it's actually Shan. It's actually Shan. The squeaking fuel have have broken the story that Shan exists and is <laughs> is a bad influence. Okay. Um, next up, the Bucky Ball Racing Club has present their next big event, which is the Thargoid Structure Scramble. Um, there's been an increase in Thargoid activity after an encounter with the Thargoids in the Coalsack Nebula where they'd not been previously seen. So the Canon Research Group want to check to see if there's been any changes in known Thargoid areas, in particular where there have been any changes with Thargoid sites. So on the way back from the Pleiades Nebula uh, to Variety, a member of the research team stopped in at Rebuy Prospect to make a few repairs to the ship after getting a bit close to a P-type anomaly. She heard about... Uh, Bucky's bar and took the opportunity to grab a cold drink while waiting for the repairs to be complete. You have to be really careful around these anomalies, as I found out, she said to Bucky. I, I suppose I'm supposed to be examining these for Thargoid structures, but they don't have the same thrill as trying to research an object that fries your ship while you do it. She knocks back her drink um, and asks for another. But I still need to gather some data and I need lots of it as quickly as possible. Well, said Bucky, I think I know the group of people to help you get something done. So Bucky has now put out the call to all pilots from the Bucky Ball Racing Club to help Cannon with their research. Wagon wheels have been promised as return. So the race synopsis is that it will start at Reed's Rest in the Marope system, where all Thargoids rode the leads, and the pilots will be required to visit three Thargoid structures and scan the central device to gather data. Um... Uh, however, in order, however, in order to access the bases, you'll need to have a Thargoid sensor in your hold, and unfortunately, there is a crash site nearby where the sensors can be reliably found. I don't think there'd be much to worry about. You have to be aware of high predictions, because uh, as soon as you start carrying a Thargoid sensor, the Thargoids start to take. So the route goes: start docked at redress station, remote system, fly to the crash Thargoids ship on uh, planet A4A in the HIP 17403 and collect the Thargoid sensor, fly to three different Thargoid structures and scan the Thargoid device in the central room, return to Reed's rest in the rope system. Fastest one wins. What do you think to that? I think you should read audio books, Colin. This <laughs> is so dramatic. It's it does sound great. It sounds really fun. Yeah, I must admit, I think I'll sign up for that one. Uh, and because I always love uh, outrunning Thargoids because it's actually quite fun. Um, now, this, there is a thing about the anti-botting agreement. Can someone tell me about this? 
I guess I can see about that. So, uh, the TLDR of that is a bunch of commanders and player groups on the forums are basically signing something that means absolutely nothing, saying, we don't support botting. And, you know, yeah, you're right, I don't support botting. Um, <laughs> I... I hope it, it draws Frontier's attention to how many players feel that bots have a problem. I hope it does. I hope it raises attention that you know, it would be nice if we actually could see Frontier taking actions to reports of botting. But, you know, we've been covering botting since 2018, I think it was, if not before. Yep. And players have been banned, and they've come back a few days later. They've been banned, they've come back a few days later. You know, it takes a hell of a lot for somebody to be perma-banned. does seem to be, doesn't it? And mm. even if they have perma-banned them, they, um, yeah, it, they, we don't know. The only one that we know about is is Harry Potter has Harry. been perma banned, but yeah. uh, and even then he's not actually perma banned. He's just you know locked into into the, into sort of play with myself zone kind of thing. Yeah. I love that that was done. I love that so much. It's so brilliant. Frontier, you are heroes. That is absolutely the correct way to deal with complete pillocks. Thank you so much for doing that. <laughs> But you see, the thing is, the only reason we knew that happened to him was because he kicked off yeah. on on the net. We never heard from Frontier that that had happened. And neither, no, neither should he. Uh, I don't know. I don't agree with that. Somebody raised a very good point that you need to... Um, that it's not it was enough. me. Yeah, what am I saying? Yeah, <laughs> yes, it wasn't you, it wasn't you. It was somebody else. And yes, it was in contrast should. to what you just said. It was it, the idea that it is not enough that justice is done. It, you need Justice just needs to be yeah. seen to be done. I, I was trying to be nice, but yes, that they, they should have put a ban alert in the newsletter. Ban alert. Alert! <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see a comment from Frontier saying, you know, this week we banned 5,000 players because of infringing our terms of conditions. I mean, other games do it. Like yeah. I've seen, I, I've seen communications from other from other studios yeah. saying, yeah. "Guess what? We banned this many people for doing these fucking stupid things." Like, guess what? If you do it, you're out. Like, yeah. you it, don't it, have it's, to it's not beyond the wit of developers oh, to do this. Just a shame yeah. it takes Frontier three years to do something that should have been done in the first week. Well, really, but yeah. that's the story. Well, that's not a story. Yes. He, he he was extraordinarily he was an extraordinarily special case because he was so vile, um, and um, it, very publicly so, so in a way that so a lot nefarious. of sorry, Nefe- very nefarious even. Yeah, the, the the stream sniping and the and the 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 stuff he did with streamers and stuff just all like spectacularly awful in a yeah. way that um in a way that most oh, some of the stuff he did with female, aren't. female streamers okay. is oh, okay. horrendous, horrendous. Yeah. Right. Yeah, not just well, we'll we're we'll yeah. moving we're moving away from that now because yes. Um, yes, I yes. think um, not we know that he's been removed. Well, not permanently again, but he is he's under, shadow banned. Yeah, he's shadow banned. Uh, so I think that should be the end of it. But let, yeah. let's. I, let I would like to see everyone else get shadow banned too and be told about it. <laughs> Did you say everyone else? Everyone else who deserves it. 
Well, if everyone gets shadow banned, then that sort of means you're shadow banned by inference. Yeah. I definitely it, may, it. it means we should really have a flying bump mode if everyone's shadow banned. <laughs> but let's not go there because that's that's something that they promise if the game does get sunset. I hope they remember. Anyway, mm. moving on to any other business. Now, has anybody got any other business they want to bring up? Nope. I nope. don't think so. I'm just trying to rack my brain because I know last time. Oh, one more, one more thing. Sorry. Um, was that about the main discussion by any chance? No, no, no. It was about uh, something on the forum about the AMAs have been retired for a little yes. while. Yeah, we covered that last week. <laughs> Thanks, Jan. <laughs> I'm reminding people because it's such a long time ago. Thanks and so much happened in the world. Yeah, the one thing I would say, I guess. Uh, we haven't had a official Elite Week, um, not Elite Week, uh, official turning the wheel thing, but I know that they're in their position to jump off and hit Sol, and I yep. believe they're heading off to LFT509, which is the big one. You know, That's where, if, if anything's going to happen, I think that's where we're expecting to see it, and that's that's bloody exciting. Well, good luck to them, and I hope something's there for them, to be honest. Um, right. Oh, there is actually a, there's been a lot of discussion about whether or not we should ask Frontier to have a station named after uh, Mira Ferlin, who passed away. Um, no. No? No! No, I love I love Delenn, I love Mira Ferlin, but frankly, I'm getting sick of all these name a, name a station after somebody. Yep. Well, even um, Captain Tom. Die every single day, all the time. Like, the, you know, a lot of the classic sci-fi stuff came out in the 60s. It is inevitable that the casts of those shows are going to die. If we, if we, if we take this approach for every single high-profile death, then the entirety of Elite Dangerous will end up with, like one big mausoleum. And, you know, frankly, you know, whilst I loved Babylon 5 and I loved Mira Furlan, she's not as much of a cultural significance, I guess, as say, as say Spock was. You, know, you say Spock and pretty much everybody knows what you're talking about. You say Delenn and I'd say, you know, well, this audience is probably not a good sample thing, but you know, I go off and say Delenn or Babylon 5 and I think maybe one, one person out of my office might know what I'm talking about. I don't see the harm personally, Ben. There's enough stations to go around. Uh, right. Well, <laughs> that's that was an inter- interesting one. Um, our question for the week is: Okay, um, are you ha- are you happy with the uh, present uh, sort of extras Girth. only model, or would you prefer a sub? And why? I think we'll we'll put that out there. See see what we um, come back with. Um, so we'll just quickly do some uh, shout-outs. Um, we'd like to send some massive love to Baz Floyd from Special Effect, who had a stroke late last year. Sadly, despite being in isolation, he also caught COVID. We're glad to say that he's still, even though he's still in hospital and still has a long road ahead of him, he is on the mend. He's already beaten the COVID, regained his facilities, and we'd also like to send our love to his partner, Ali Hilborn. Standing by him all this time, uh, it's, it's good to see that Bass is 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 heading in the right direction. 
So, yeah. Um, our sister station, of course, Hutton Orbital Radio. It broadcasts on a Thursday at uh, 8.30 GMT. You can tune in at twitch.tv, Hutton Orbital Truckers, or just the audio at radio.forthemug.com. For the discerning commander that likes a bit of CQC action, check out the CQC Discord at discord.me Elite Dangerous CQC. Uh, for those that want a literary discussion about sci-fi and fantasy books, uh, please subscribe to the Data Slate podcast, which is created by Station Commander Alan Stroud. So we'd like just to thank everybody who's chipped in in the Twitch chat. Any in-game commanders which have buzzed Ben? <laughs> yeah, I, I've been with um, Chris Mark Four and Miggle uh, while we've been. Well, I've been trying to shoot Miggles from from five kilometers in the air and failing spectacularly. Um, and I've also been, you know, buzzing around the oh, the prison from the recent event. Um. Right. Well, in that case, uh, I'm going to call it. So that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at laveradio.com. Hit us up at facebook.com slash laveradio. Tweet us at laveradio. And you can join our Discord server by going to discord.io slash laveradio. We can also have a, we also have a TeamSpeak server where commanders come to hang out and chat, which you can find at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Do get in touch if you have any questions or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss in a future episode. Live Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at 8.30 and streamed out at laveradio.com slash live. So thanks to Shan, thanks to Ben, and thanks to Suvereen. And a special thanks to, goes to Commander, New, uh, Commander Ventura, who's doing our tech this evening. So until next time, Commanders, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Forget the Uranus talk. This is the new outro. According to uh, scientists, Uranus is full of methane gas. You've been dying for something to replace your Uranus. I think you're right, though, Colin. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> what have you done with Shan, and when can we have him back? I don't know. I'm quite attached to this one, to be honest. Yeah, that, that butt clenching really was awesome. Galnet News Digest, 2nd of February 3307. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, Serene Scandal Rocks Empire. Taking advantage of miners. Poking the Thargoids. All you ever wanted to know about vehicles. Serene Harbour Scandal set to rock empire. Which is the bigger scandal? That the Imperial Internal Security Service is using unlicensed secret torture facilities in a system outside Empire jurisdiction? That the torture facility allowed dangerous neo-Marlinist terrorists to escape? Or that someone of high rank and security clearance within the Empire appears to be implicated? On Thursday last week, a Mayday call was received by Commander Elsa Solomon. This is an emergency broadcast on all frequencies from Serene Harbour. It was only a fragment, but it was clearly a distress call. A search was started immediately for the source of this mysterious message. There was little to go on other than that the source of the message was an uninhabited system within 80 light-years of Swoil's XX-D C1-30. A few hours later, a second intercepted message was reported. Welcome to Serene Harbour. 56 decimal, 4 latitude. Negative 8 decimal, 3 longitude. Theta 7. With thousands of commanders searching all the star systems within a bounded volume of 2.1 million cubic light-years, it was a relatively, and surprisingly, short time before the source of the transmissions was identified. By the time the second message was received, commanders were already investigating the now-abandoned prison camp, which is in the RCRA sector AF-AD42 system, on planet B3. From the information left behind, it appears that a group of NMLA terrorists were transferred to the camp on Wednesday the 20th of January for secret torture and interrogation before a show trial and public execution back in Achinar. This group of prisoners, codenamed Theta, and particularly their leader Theta-7, is believed to be behind the NMLA Thargoid Enzyme Bomb-Making Factory in Federal System LTT-1935, a facility that has not yet been found. It seems highly likely that these were the terrorists who had previously killed the Nine Martyrs of Kepler Orbital to save them from interrogation by the IISS. The group proved resistant to normal interrogation techniques, so some advanced equipment was ordered in. Early on the morning of Tuesday the 26th of January, as the shuttle carrying that neurosensory amplifier arrived, all the prison camp systems went offline, releasing the prisoners. But worse was to come. The Imperial Guard escort that arrived on the supply ship had also been infiltrated by the terrorists. They massacred everyone in the facility, guards and prisoners alike, except for the Theta group, 
who are believed to have escaped on the shuttle. This is a massively embarrassing incident for the Imperial Internal Security Service. Prison systems could only have been taken offline and the supply ship hijacked by terrorists if the IISS had been infiltrated. The very existence of an illegal torture camp is something the Emperor could not want to be publicly known. And known and highly dangerous terrorists have escaped from Imperial custody, creating concerns that more starports may be targeted by enzyme bomb attacks. Whichever way this plays out, it's undeniable that the Empire's illegal and unreliable torture techniques, coupled with treason from within, have once again put lives at risk. Taking advantage of minors. Several alleged cases of modern-day slavery have been reported, with new commanders forced to work for a pittance while their overseer makes a fortune from their labour. The story, as yet unconfirmed, is that new commanders are befriended by a more experienced commander, who lends them money to kit out a small mining ship with a short jump range. They are then lured onto the experienced commander's fleet carrier, who jumps to a remote system and forces them to mine void opals or peanite or whatever the current fashion may be and to sell the refined commodity to the carrier for a fraction of what it's worth on the open market. The indentured commanders cannot escape because they have no fuel scoop and they end up making the fleet carrier owner rich while they eke out a bare subsistence, having to buy all their outfitting and maintenance from the fleet carrier shop. If this sort of behaviour tells us one thing, it's that capitalism is alive and well in the galaxy. The Empire is proud of those who displayed the initiative to recruit their own little band of helpers. It's just like Imperial slaves, only it's commanders. The Noobstranders are performing a useful service, giving the new commanders an important lesson in life about accepting sweets from strangers and about how the people who provide the labour are not the people who make the money. The Galactic Police have been informed of the registration numbers of three fleet carriers, but are powerless to act as no crime has been committed. So remember kids, never take rides from strangers, especially if they give you a pickaxe and a hard hat with a light on it. Poking the Thargoids The Buckyball Racing Club has decided to further the cause of the Anti-Xeno Initiative by making the Thargoids so angry that they attack again. The way the tedious time-trial tearaways plan to achieve this nail in the coffin of galactic peace is by encouraging its members to infiltrate the Thargoid surface bases or crash motherships or whatever they are and scan the mysterious Thargoid structures at their heart. This work is allegedly being carried out on behalf of Canon Interstellar Research. However, when we approached a representative from Canon, all he'd talk about was something called Gnosis Unnatural Cheese. So it's unclear whether the time trial has Canon's blessing. It certainly does not have the blessing of Tharg the Mighty, and hostile her predictions are a certainty. The Buckyballers claim you need a Thargoid sensor to get into the Thargoid ground bases, which wasn't the case last time Galnet News Digest sent a reporter out to check. In any case, not collecting a Thargoid sensor to carry around will get you disqualified, and carrying one will make you an instant enemy of any Thargoids you meet. 
We'll see what fallout there is when the time trial finishes on Valentine's Day, 14th of February. We're predicting there won't be any love lost that day between humans and Thargoids. Meanwhile, the Anti-Xenu Initiative has launched a range of wearable anti-Thargoid propaganda, prompting Simguru Pranavantal to launch a competing range of Surrender to the Thargoids as long as we've uploaded our consciousnesses to the Sim Archive first. Leisure wear. One of the ranges of clothing is not expected to catch on. All you ever wanted to know about vehicles. We're almost out of time for this bulletin, but we have just enough time to tell you everything you need to know about vehicles. Can you drive your SRV over pedestrians? Will it hurt or even kill them? Absolutely, on both counts. Can ship launch fighters be used against ground targets? Yes! Will the ship HUD be changing? No. Will ships be able to drop anti-personnel bombs or missiles? Nothing you don't already have in your ship's arsenal. How will night vision work? You'll be able to see at night. If I'm flying a ship, can I lock on to someone on foot on a planet? No. If I'm on foot, can I lock on to someone flying a huge great ship above me? With some weapons, yes. Can we engineer our SRVs? No, you can't. Can we jump out of a hovering ship? No, you can't. If there are three commanders in a ship, can one fly a ship launch fighter while the other two land and then one deploys an SRV and the other exits the ship on foot? Why, yes, that's exactly what you can do. Apart from the SRV, will we get any new sorts of surface vehicle? And that's the end of this week's Q&A. Join us next week for more detailed answers. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News. We read the news so you don't have to. Or a lot. May all.